spidey senses tingling. Hello. That hello belongs to the famous actor starring in uh, films such as Canine and Red Heat. Ladies and gentlemen, Slim Belushi. On Paper Ooh, Cake. Don't forget Mr. Destiny. Best, oh. best movie ever. Paper Cake Podcast. We are uh, Paper Cake. We're out of the gate with this. We're just talking right over the intro. Right I have to That's how we do. Uh, Papercake.com, check it out. We talk about industry news in this podcast. Uh, we're probably w- number one in iTunes right now. Don't even bother looking. Just trust us. Um, industry news roundtable. We talk about the books we're reading, uh, and then we do a book club. You know what's the book club this week, Dale? It's uh, I Kill Giants. Joe Kelly, Ken Nimura. Mm. And then we read your letters to close out the show. I'll give the drummer some. Uh, we had a big show last week. Uh, very controversial show, you know. Very polarizing for paper cake. Uh, we talked about books that would be great for new readers. Uh, but first, I want to go around the, you know, our, our HQ right now and introduce the panel, our illustrious panel. Paper cake East, HQ, Prime, Prime. Ri- original recipe, Prime East South. Original rotisserie. Mm-hmm. Um, to my immediate right, Jonesy. He's a writer. Uh, he works at a company. <laughs> I don't even know where you're going. <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that one. <laughs> I do work at a company. Jonesy, you're, 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 you're a creator. You're a comic book creator. I Technically, am. you haven't created anything yet that's been published. <laughs> But it's happening. All the copyright doesn't it? Um, we don't want to give out it. Give it out. You know, we want in a year from now. We want to be buying your unnamed book. We know what it's called, but we don't want to talk about it right now. Yeah, I don't want to talk about it. Um, it is called inherited. <laughs> you don't want to put your money where your mouth is. Welcome hey. to the show, Jonesy. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Lovely uh, fake pony, New Jersey. A lot of people weren't sure if you were going to come back after last week's show. Well, you know. Um, just Dave had some very inflammatory <laughs> remarks <laughs> to make like him the Twitter. <laughs> Jesse's just, every time I tell, talk to Jesse, he brings up Just Dave. I know. That's because, uh, <laughs> you know, we can just guarantee that in the interim let's see he had some... Ma- let's see if we can go an yeah. episode where you don't talk about Just Dave 30 seconds in a speaking. Let's just every 30 seconds? Somebody if, get a stroke count out there somewhere. If you don't, one of Just Dave's fans will chime in. Uh, that deep, dark voice you heard. Sultry. Uh, that was none other than, uh, listen to that. Solo right up. Just listen. That wasn't Mark on guitar. <laughs> Mark Farrington, you were wearing a red and white striking polo shirt right now. Ah, uh, thank you. Thank you. It Coming is in from striking. Work. Striking? It's striking me in the face. Good work. Welcome Your to the show. primary colors. You, um... I don't know what what are you a historian on these days? To be honest, you used to be a DC historian. Yep. Tommy, Tommy Hilfiger. Tommy Hilfiger, historian. Yep. Callback. Y'all know how I feel about Tommy Hilfiger. 
He'll figure. I hate that guy. <laughs> you know the history. I hate that guy. You're all about the history. Mark uh, has apparently heard in alleged rumor that Tommy Hilfiger didn't like black people. Made it clear alleged. beyond the shadow of a doubt that I do not wear Tommy. What Hilfiger. are you wearing right now? What is that shirt? I don't know. Some Walmart knockoff. What's <laughs> <laughs> good though? It's probably Hilfiger. Go, go to Snopes. <laughs> Hilfiger. Snopes. Snopes. Never said this. Is Snopes still a website? Snopes.com. Snopes.angelsfire.geosities. <laughs> is that on a server? Last but not least, um, he is the most popular host in the history of Paper Cake, without a shadow of a doubt. Talking about you, oh, Dale, I was, right no, here. No, yeah, uh, no. You have you have probably the most nicknames out of any host uh, in the history of the show. I'm creative. You I are creative. Up with them. You're an internet celebrity. Yeah. Um, that could be my favorite. What, what's your personal favorite nickname for yourself? Yeah, I think that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Pod, podcast bad boy. I didn't give myself, and uh, you know, I you know that's very controversial. I don't know if I'm. A You're not controversial bad boy. at all. You've never said anything controversial on the show. I think internet celebrity is my favorite because I am nowhere near any sort of internet celebrity with my you know 199 followers or your, something like your that. Your Twitter is taking off. Let's not be modest here. Yeah, that's what I've been telling myself for the past two years. <laughs> We're gonna get through this. So <laughs> we have a lot to get a lot to get into. You know, we do a little news segment. You know, for folks. Yeah. We want to talk about some hot button news because you know what? Some certain people they just they don't want to subscribe to RSS feeds. They come to us for the news. So it's our duty to deliver. RSS RSS is hard to get into. Yeah. Yeah, it's really just for nerds and, and Jonesy. Google readers. <laughs> Jonesy, you got you got a Google reader? A reader app on my phone. You hmm. know it. I don't ride no less. Barnes and Noble. Have you seen this? You heard about this? Barnes and Noble has a nook. That's right. Yeah. It's, it's called e-reader. like a little e-reader. They just announced something new re- last week. It's called the Nook Tablet. Yeah. It's gonna have Marvel comics on it. Man. The the no. deepest catalog, right, of Marvel comics. The largest catalog of graphic novels by Marvel. I think everybody can hear hear the quotey fingers. Okay, I was doing the quotey fingers. Um, That was some flappage. So it seems like Marvel is uh, going with Barnes & Noble and DC has gone with the Amazon. Your thoughts, Jonesy? This is bad. This is bad, you know, for the reader. I mean, as soon as you try to split the market by device, because you're going to get those people that only know comic books because they have a Kindle or a Nook. And, you know, the last thing you want to do is to limit somebody's exposure to such a great industry. And I think that's exactly what you're doing. You're, you know, you're separating east from west, the north from the south, the Marvel from the DC. It's just that mm-hmm. the only person who suffers in the end is the common folk. Mm. And uh, this is just bad business. Now, did it say anywhere in the articles whether or not this was Marvel's decision to make, or is this a license? Proprietary technological. Well, I don't think division. Barnes and Nobles owns Marvel Entertainment, so they can't make licensing choices for them. No, but I'm saying, did Marvel consciously make that decision to say, "I only want these products or these books to be available on this product"? I'm sure there's. I, I would think I would uh, almost guarantee they have that kind of approval over their own. I'm sure Barnes and Noble forked up the cash to Marvel, say, "Marvel, we want you and you alone." Like the, uh, like that song by the. 
Doobie Brothers. I'm more interested. Righteous in, Brothers. I'm more interested in Jonesy's pronunciation of Barnes and Noble. Or Barnes and Nobles. Yeah. <laughs> is it not Nobles? I don't think is it's it Barnes nobles. and Nobles? <laughs> it's definitely not Nobles, and I don't think it's Nobles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> your, your RSS feeder has, has lied to you. <laughs> I have a, a small hope that this somehow drives people back to print in the form of, you know, trades, most likely from Amazon because they're the cheapest. Let's be real. Or the or the uh, you know the comic book shop. Maybe it'll put people in the comic book shop. If I got a Nook tablet and I got Marvel Comics, but I don't have the same catalog of DC Comics that the Kindle Fire has, that's 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 is a different level of jacked up. Mm. You know what I mean? I do. No. Um, because exclusivity deals is just. I mean, Barnes and Noble were were already pulling physical DC books off their shelves. Because of this madness. Yeah, I actually forgot that they were doing that, and then now they have a deal with Marvel. Well, now they have Coincidence? A deal with Marvel. Hmm. Uh, reactionary marketing hmm. is never, never a good thing in big business. It just, all it does is create a marketplace where your revenue is limited to somebody's perception of what they should be reading. And in comics, the revenue isn't there. It's not worth drawing a line in the sand over comics revenue, you know? Jonesy loves economy over here. Take heed, Barnes and Nobles. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's get into the roundtable, you know? Mm -hmm. let's, uh, that was your news, people. That was your hot-button news from last week that we had to get to you mm -hmm. right now. Um, we want to start it off, I think, with one of our most striking hosts in history. None other than Dale underscore A. Oh, me. What I... are you reading this week, new or old? I want to hear it. I want to hear it from your lips to my ears. Pigeons from hell. Never heard of it. I know. <laughs> I am here to deliver upon thee the story of the pigeons from hell. Is this Viper Comics? <laughs> this sounds very Viper-esque. There are no chainsaws in this book, for one. Are the pigeons There's no mo modes of transportation other than a ho one horse. So a van. The pigeons ride the horse? Oh, my. What is happening? Pigeons from Hell is a supposedly a an old Robert E. Howard story from 1934 and was adapted by this creative team into a four-issue miniseries <clears throat> by Dark Horse Entertainment. Pigeons from Hell is a group of friends who stumble upon, well, they don't stumble upon, they were um, passed, a house was passed along to them uh, that was owned by their family, and uh, they go to check it out, and basically they, the house turns out to be haunted, and they go upstairs and there's a room full of dead pigeons. That's the only, really, the only... Pigeon reference? Pigeon reference, yeah. There's not much about deadly pigeons For it's now. not like the birds in any way there's okay. no deadly killer birds it is mostly about a haunted house in uh, louisiana and it has a lot to do with a voodoo curse uh around the turn of the century or no not yeah turn of the century um a plantation owner uh had a mutiny on his hands and a curse was placed on it so the the uh the family who originally owned the house um, would be suffered for eternity. Sounds and awful. 
it's it's gory, and I like that. Mm. The story is very crappy. <laughs> the story now I don't know if that how much it reflects the source material. It could be you know it's a short story from 1934, so it could Everything be very. Everything was crap back then. It, absolutely. Everybody knows Name that. Name me one good book from 1932. Wasn't that when Dracula was written that we all read and agreed was crappy? Uh, probably. If it was crappy, it probably came from 1932. Mm-hmm. Stands a reason. Uh-huh. Yeah. I agree. Jonesy agrees. Um, no so the, the short story could be crappy, too. But this, the thing that kept me going was the gore factor because the haunted house aspect was, was good. The friend's... Uh, a couple of them, they basically turn into bloodthirsty killers with an axe in their head. God. And uh, and then there's an old hoodoo man that lives on the property. Um, I don't know. Nicholas Cage? Yeah, Black Nicholas Cage. <laughs> Black Nicholas Cage. But Blackulous Cage. So basically Stephen King lifted this story to write The Shining. And I didn't get anything yeah. out of The Shining from that. I'll be no. honest. Yeah, no. Uh, I don't know. Gardner... <laughs> so character has a gardener, right. shining, and he's you black. thief. Right. He drives the old. I'm cat. calling Stephen King out. He's going to get on the old snowcat and go up the old snowy road now. <laughs> uh, Pigeons from Hell. I don't know. It's in the Dark Horse uh, app books app. Is it is the first issue free? Is there a preview we can check out? There's a no. Oh, There's a bundle though, so you can get them on off their digital.darkhorse.com. They sell their books in bundles. So you save a little scratch from when you'd be buying from the iTunes store. Mm. And, uh, you know, if you like a, ho- a horror book, there's not much to it as far as complexity. But, um, you know, if you like gory books, check it out. Mark Farrington. Okay. Thank you, Mark. Your, your turn. <laughs> I'll go. go. Mark. Thank you, Dale. Mark uh, book that I read I'm checking out is Amazing Spider-Man number 673. It is the epilogue issue to Spider Island crossover that I didn't think I like, and I was dead wrong. It was great. thing I liked about this book and books like this, it's an aftermath issue. The big crossover just ended, so this book starts off with moments after the big battle had just been won. Aftermath issues are my favorite because it feels like anything can happen. So flipping through this, I mean, you had... A bunch of random developments that they can just shoot off into different directions. I had, at the beginning, Mary Jane still had her spider powers. So a big step for her relationship with Peter is she now understands him. She did a little bit of heroics during Spider Island, which I think will have some mileage on their relationship. Carly Cooper now knows that Spider-Man is Peter Parker. Thanks, guys. I actually didn't read the issues yet, so there we go. Uh, oh, Dale, you don't have to. <laughs> my favorite comic book. <laughs> that's our, no, that's, that's, my fault. that's our job. No, it's our job. I mean, you know. I feel bad about that one. She broke up with oh, Pete. Oh. And <laughs> there we go, Slim. <laughs> <laughs> that Why don't you just ruin it all mo- for him? What's happened? <laughs> the moaning and groaning in the background would be our producer, who clearly didn't like the book. A big revelation in this also is that due to the actions Peter Parker took in Spider Island, I'll just throw these issues in the garbage. <laughs> you don't? Can, can you get a refund in the comic shop? In I'm going to. I'm going to take them to uh, work and just shred them right in the shred bin. <laughs> I'll get you your money back. People no, can now find out that Spider Man is Peter Parker. Take it from me; you'll never get that money. Wow! And there are also, no spoilers left for. <laughs> just waiting for the bones. <laughs> There's one more. Okay. 
this She's book it starts. It gives you the prologue for the new Scarlet Spider series, and I guess all Spoiler, of these. He's still wearing that hoodie. <laughs> all of these different uh, directions came out of Spider Island, so I loved it. Anything went. It's nice to see that this actually might have some ramifications for Spider Man. It's got some huge changes in his status quo and his relationships. Great book through and through. Hey, regardless of how it's written, I mean, that's three quarters of why I love the book is Peter's relationships with other people. So, I mean, you know, he may have delivered the ultimate killing blow to my enjoyment of the story. My apologies. But the the adventure of getting there is what I look forward to. So you actually didn't ruin anything for me. Yeah, he's I can't wait to read that. Lying, obviously. He's going to miss Carly. She's, She's my not favorite. out of the book. Can not, I, no uh, one can stand against the juggernaut of Mary Jane Watson. But what's cool about Spider-Man, and I think it's essential to Peter Parker, is even when he wins, he loses. So he just had this epic battle. He won. He saved New York almost single-handedly. And in the aftermath issue, he's still getting beat up in his personal life. The one protection you thought you had is gone. You lost the girlfriend who understands you. Spoilers! (laughs) Oh, boy. Um, I'm going to start to cry. Dale, come back. Go ahead, Matt. Why didn't Uh, you like it? If I could interject... For a few moments on Can this I? Dan Slot Spider-Man book. If I, I'm not sure if he's tracking audio mentions he, of his name. He can do that. An alarm just went off on his his uh, tweet deck. He just woke up in the <laughs> middle of the night somewhere. Um, I had one big issue with this particular epilogue. Uh, there was one scene where someone <laughs> was talking to Peter and referenced him and said that uh, Peter Parker is the persona while he truly is Spider-Man. Peter Parker is the mask. I'll tell you what, I don't want to get any goddamn explanations about those fake masks. Bat- it's been done with Batman and Superman. Oh. To death. To death. Anytime that, I mean, what editor? No. If I'm, if I'm Eddie Barganza, you know, I don't know who the editor is. I think that's a DC guy. Is that a Steve real name? Wacker. <laughs> Steve Wacker. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe like yeah, I think that 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 bit's been done with Batman and Superman. Let's let's change that line up a bit. Maybe let's maybe let's do a little something else. You're telling me that one line snapped you out of the story. Yeah, he twittered about it. So I twittered about he it. Felt... <laughs> I twitted that comment, <laughs> and I was very annoyed. You tweet about long blocks you have to take from the subway station to work. Something doesn't have to be monumental for you to tweet about it. Let's oh, it does. Real. Everything I tweet about is monumental, my you friend. You can see the light from my phone <laughs> from space. You tweeted that. <laughs> Do you understand how bright your iPhone screen is? <laughs> it is literally, your battery must last 20 minutes when you have the thing on. So anyway, that really dragged you out of the story? Yes. Um, and then, uh, you know, everything else is, you know, good. How, how many issues of the, of the spider Island comes out? Was it one issue a week? Devil's Advocate. Devil's Advocate. Yeah, let's do it. Maybe Slot didn't want it, but Stephen Wacker did want it. Maybe. Maybe Sandlot wanted, didn't want that line in there. Same. Maybe you're right. Yeah. Maybe you he's know? like, you know what, Stephen Wacker, this has been done. I'm trying to do something different with Spider-Man. I'm Dan Slan, the man. I don't want to f- get caught up in his audio searching. Don't say his name. Engine uh, optimized. Maybe you're right. Maybe maybe I'm playing the wrong guy. You know? You know? Maybe he's snark attacked. Steve Wacker wanted that one in there. Um, you saving that one up. I, you know, the other stuff is good. I mean, you get this, you know, you get the tried and true. Peter's life sucks. He did great. 
And then, you know, he comes home and something happens with his relationship that might upset him. I'm not going to tell Dale what happened. Thank you, Slim. Um, but at the end, you get sort of status quo coming back, you know, with a with an old character in Peter. You know, what's happening there, you know? Mm-hmm. Can't wait to read it. Talk about it. <sighs> I guess it's all right. Yeah. I'm also a sucker for when other heroes give Peter props. So as they're all oh, standing I'm around. I'm a total sucker for that. When they're all standing around, like. Spider-Man just saved our butts, pulled our butts from the fire. Mm-hmm. Or Spider-Man single-handedly managed to save everybody in New York. Makes me smile. I love it when other heroes actually recognize how gifted and talented this guy is. So has there been a Spider-Island issue every week? It feels like there, every week there's another Spider-Island Amazing Spider-Man issue out. Yeah, there's um, there. I think the release schedule is three issues a month. So however That's they work it money. in. It's 12, 12 bucks a month. To read Spider-Man. Yeah, but at least, well, at, up until this this week or last week, um, there's only one Spider-Man title, so that was the point of doing it, you know. It's just amazing. There's no spectacular. There's no web of. Is it amazing? So, it is amazing. That's for you to decide. My number one. The listener, not you. Oh. Oh. Sorry. <laughs> just let me have this, all right? I I already... You can have it. It's already been ruined for you yeah. by, uh, you know, spoiler historian over here. <laughs> How did I know he didn't read it? Spoilington over here. How did I know he didn't read it? Nice. Thank you. Uh, Jonesy. Uh, that caught me mid-joke. It was so funny. <laughs> what are you reading right now? Jonesy loves beer? Uh, who cares? That's all that. Uh, let's see. <laughs> You're Animal halfway done Man. the show already. <laughs> Animal Man number three. Oh, my God. Uh, continues the story of uh, Animal Man and his daughter are flying into the heart of the red, which is the the life web that um, Animal Man talks about when he talks about how he draws his powers. He's connected to this, this life web. And the red is like the physical manifestation of that where there's uh, avatars of different animal forces that are fighting against this unknown evil that's coming to uh, kind of destroy the web of life. And um, in the last issue, you see a couple of um, people die by these mysterious creatures. And now this issue, it's like kind of a diverging story where they're going after Animal Man's family. And uh, so it cuts between, you know, uh, <coughs> excuse me, it cuts between the backstory of finding out what the red really is and what that means um, for the fate of Animal Man's daughter, who you understand is a much more key player than Animal Man, Buddy Baker himself. Mm-hmm. And uh, then cuts back to that scene where um, these creatures are going after to attack buddy baker's wife and his son so it's it's like very well-paced storytelling and without giving a lot of way there are, there's a great reveal at the end as to where the next issue is going and um it's kind of interesting to see kind of a i don't want to say a lame superhero like animal man because he's not really lame in this incarnation i mean he's not as lame as booster gold right but it does kind of nice to see that jeff lemire doesn't really play him as a straight man, but does give him a little valid uh, validation. So I mean, this is just probably out of the new DCU. This might be my second or third favorite. I think it's the sleeper success yeah. of the DCU. It's like this and Aquaman. Like it just mm. really hits it out of the park. Dale, your thoughts? At the imagery in Animal Man is like that of a mental patient, like his his psychotic drawings. Mm-hmm. Like the imagery of the creatures inside the red and the creatures that are trying to destroy the creatures inside the web or the red. And even Buddy Baker himself, like when he's going through these 
awful changes and he's all bulbous and deformed. Like it's the pencil style, the coloring, just the 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 way they look and the way somebody actually thought these images up in their crazy head. It's like a horror movie. Yeah, if I had to describe the art in Animal Man in a word, I would say frightening. That's a good word to describe it mm-hmm. because even the normal looking, the mom and the son with his mullet and the car, like even that is, there's like a frightening, crazy person style to it. Mullets are frightening in and of like themselves. When the, hippo, when the hippos were given birth or from to the disgusting... Red Hunters, I, I want to call them, in issue two, their engorged bellies were so disgusting. <laughs> like, it, it's the stuff of nightmares, mm-hmm. and it, it intrigues the H out of me because of it. See, Jonesy, aside from the vivid, graphic, horrifying imagery, which admittedly is a huge part of the book, one of the things that infuriates me, I guess, about the New 52 is this isn't something they had to wipe the slate clean on. Like, Buddy Baker was still a cool, depthful character in the original continuity. And I think there'd still be stuff from that that you would like here. I agree. I, I'm not saying they're wrong, but, Mark, let's be honest. I would have never picked up Animal Man unless DC had rebooted. Agreed. I mean, a lot of people would tell me, it's great how Graham Morrison put himself in a comic. Oh, my God, I got rid of it right now. And I wouldn't give two S's. But, you know, put it in a reboot and give me, a, a you know, Jeff Lemire. the want and the Jeff Lemire to go jump on, I'm picking this book up. No offense, former DC historian. Not offended. Yeah. Sorry. It's my turn. Dazzle us, Slim. Are we doing another round? Or going right into the lightning round? Do we have enough tape? We got, we got enough tape. Oh, yeah. We got enough tape. Um, All-Star Western. Ooh, Jonah Hex. You. Jonah Hex. And uh, Grandpa Arkham. Himself, you know, olden days. This book takes place olden days Gotham. Mm-hmm. Um, Jonah Hex, if you're not familiar, he's like the Punisher of the Wild West with an effed up face. You know, he's gritty. He's like Clint Eastwood in Unforgiven. Yeah, uh, there's there's some kind of collusion going on in in old time Great Gotham, word. by the way, with the wealthy, the one percent, if you will. Ooh, little. Are, uh, oh, you just took me out of it. <laughs> Drawing some parallels. Yes, that's right. So there's some kind of, you know, strangeness going on with the one percent. There's a secret society, you know, with a rash of murders happening. The skulls. There's a few huas that have been murdered. You know, and that really cuts to the core of most men. You know, yeah. Makes them sad. Yeah. Um so they think they're onto the something, these two. They're working together. Mm-hmm. Um I I I downloaded this. Uh, three ninety nine book. Everyone just want to throw that out there right now. And then the biggest disappointment out of the new fifty two. I um, one of the best books is three ninety nine. I I I downloaded. I hit the screen and uh, it said like twenty nine pages, and I was like, all right, yeah, you know, twenty nine pages. I can I can deal with that for three ninety nine. I get to the last page of the issue, and I was like, that was fast. Mm-hmm. Hit the screen again, page nineteen. Get the hell out of here right now. There's a, was there a backup story? There's yeah, a backup. There's, there's a backup uh, All-Star Western story. It tells Terrible. Us, I didn't even read it. 
Who who does? Who reads those? Nobody. Who reads backup stories? They're sticking that Batman Noel in every DC by Alejandro. What's Bermejo? Bermejo. Lee Bermejo. You want to talk about a piece of garbage book? Let's talk about Joker. Remember that? Yeah. Remember that book? Get out of here with that. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of like that book. Um, Even though you crucified me for it. Let's. <laughs> if we can get back to All Star Western, I just don't. I don't know why they did the backup story. Give me six more pages to All Star Western. Right. You know, I'm or paying not, four bucks for this. Yeah, three ninety nine is is it? It's my worth. I I hate to say. I mean, three ninety nine has been a standard for a long time, but with DC nowadays, it's almost unheard of to get a three ninety nine book. I don't two ninety nine is the standard. Now. I don't know why they. Um, I just don't get four dollars. Was this the plan the whole time? We'll, we'll, this will be a four-hour book, but we'll include a backup to give the fans their money's worth? And Maybe the fans don't want the backup. And why choose like the random all-star Western title? Yeah. Why not give su- su- Superman fans one of those titles? Give those nerdlingers some you know goofy yeah. Grant Morrison videos of him drag, you know, dressing up as women. Dressing up like, dancing like Buffalo Bill. <laughs> and thinking about Superman story arcs. Dale underscore no. A, we're back to you. No. We're back. We're back. Boom. Uh, <laughs> do you have any more Viper comics for us? I don't know if I can talk about it on the air. Let's get it. I want to hear it. I want to hear it right now. Give it to us. You have to rebound from Mark crushing your dreams for Spider I, Island. I really don't. I'll probably listen to this podcast tomorrow on the way into work, and I will probably just drive <laughs> off into a ravine because of it. Is there a ceiling fan that you'll be circling in the morning? You know, yes, it'll be swinging. I'll carve my initials into the rafter, and uh, <laughs> that'll be it. Um, I'm going to hit it, uh, the killer. The killer. The killer. Archaea Books, mm. uh, same publishers as last week's book club book. Mouseguard. 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 Nice. Uh, the Killer is um, about an assassin. He kills. He's a killer. I love it. Uh, a lot of inner monologue in this book. Um, it's free, by the way, the first issue. Mark, right up your alley. Um, he is inner monologuing his career about how he's got it pretty darn easy as an assassin and... You know, it didn't start always start out like that. It was doing small jobs, and eventually he was approached to kill somebody. And now he's basically, he talks about how he's gone through the years of re- refining the art to where he's got it down pat, and he's socking away the money. And there's a really cool twist at the end of issue one because the whole time he's inter-monologuing, his, his uh, victim or his target is in the scope of his gun. He's sitting at the... Uh, the windowsill, the whole issue talking, and he just starts to trail off about, um, he starts talking crazy and about, like, he starts almost talking about feelings, and, like, out loud, he's he's like, S, I'm losing it, and he just, he's got to walk away from the gun, because he realizes, like, his, his job, maybe he's just not able to handle it anymore, because Mm. the, the, his feelings or unfeelings are starting to crack, and uh, he sees, he recognizes that as he's, you know, outside looking into himself. And it's a, it's a really good, really interesting book. Hmm. Huh. Very interesting. It. I recommend it. I've seen that in the apps, but I never really knew what the uh, story yeah. was. Yeah, I see. Uh, I think um, maybe there's 11 or 12 issues now. 
Uh, I'd like to get the rest of them on sale for 99 cents. Hint, hint. Anyone wants to buy Dale a Christmas present. Yeah, or gift it to me. You know. You could probably buy it from the comic shop in Delaware's digital store. Oh, yeah. The killer. So uh, check it out. Thecomicbookshop.com. <laughs> digital storefront. Yawning right now. Uh, Mark, Mark, Mark Farrington. Mark. Internet star of Yes Hello. Former DC historian, current Bat historian. Sorry, it's been a long day. Long just day. Gave him, he just, <laughs> you just gave himself a new title? He just gave himself that title. I've always been the Bat expert. Go back to the archives. No, no, no. You're the Bat family genealogist. Get it right or go. Oh, home. yeah. I forgot about that nickname. Get out the geese. Get out the geese? Is that slang? Can I have the keys? Oh. Tell me to go home. <laughs> get, out the <laughs> get out the geese. <laughs> I want to make that a I thing think that so means, bad. I think that means nine millimeter in the ghetto. Oh, get out the Mark, bat. come off it. That's inappropriate. Uh, Mark, what are you reading right now? Get out the geese for us. What am I reading right now? I got to tell you, uh, that, real quick, for your, for your read your book, we were on the driving down here. Read your book. And uh, Dale texted Mark that something was slamming. And Mark thinks I'm such an idiot white boy that he's like, slamming means good or positive. I'm like, I know that slamming was used in a positive way. You looked very addled. It's because I can't I was trying hear. To help. Good can't or positive. So a book I'm reading, <laughs> keeping with my theme of epilogue issues, I read Fear Itself 7.1. Oh, God. How'd you like paying that $9 price tag or whatever it was? Oh, All God, right. for like 19 pages of story? Totally worth it. Uh, it was the epilogue to Fear Itself, to the and epilogue. it also had the funeral slash wake of Bucky Barnes. Story opens with... Spoilers. <laughs> I think everyone was I, aware. He's dead. Mandy Boo's crying right now. <laughs> yep. <laughs> She won't be crying for long. Yeah, if you have not read 7.1, I would recommend you fast-forwarding a few times. <laughs> Absolutely. Story opens with Steve Rogers, Captain America, practicing his wake for Bucky Barnes. Fast-forward now. Nick Fury walks in, tells him Bucky's not dead, all hell breaks loose. Bucky walks in and explains why he did it. This issue is basically Ed Brubaker setting up Bucky's solo title, debuting in January, Winter Soldier. Wasn't that already out? Wasn't that out? No, he's got um, Captain America and Bucky is a book. Oh, yeah, yeah. That I don't even get. I mean, they. I guess they didn't want to stop the numbering for Captain America since they relaunched with McNiven and Brubaker, which... Ugh. Ugh. More like Captain America and Effie, right? <laughs> Effie? How about Limpy? <laughs> uh, I had read the spoilers for this issue. I actually thought it was a pretty good idea. Brubaker went like on... Uh, ape ass on the Twitter because people were were posting in the titles of blogs saying Winter Soldier coming in November or whatever. Mm. Um, I think it's a great idea that they staged. Well, they didn't even really stage his death. Some of the posts said that they had staged Bucky's death in order to get him back um, as Captain America, as Steve Rogers as him. So I guess you know up until where he was mortally wounded. That was not planned, and then once they found out that they could save him, they brought in a life model decoy, and they they tricked him into coming back as Cap. I thought that was a great idea, actually. I did like how one of the panels was the Black Widow and Nick Fury saying, basically, we did this because it would manipulate you, Steve, into becoming Captain America again. It's what the world needed, and we didn't tell you about this because we needed you focused on winning a war and avenging this guy. We didn't need you mourning. I would have liked it more if they had not told Steve Rogers that he was alive. I thought that they were going to keep it secret and he was going to continue working as yeah. under the radar as Winter Soldier. 
and Cap was beating on the wiser and thinking he was still dead. When's Cap going to stop taking crap from Nick Fury? That's what I want to Well, actually, there was He's a... He's going to get disillusioned and, and yeah. go for a walk around the United States. <laughs> there was a part in uh, 7.1 where in order to give Bucky a new lease on life, Nick had to sacrifice his formula that keeps him alive. The infinity formula. So his uh-huh. last vial went to Bucky. So Nick is now, you know, on borrowed time. Essentially. Oh, Structurally, this book is very good. It's Brubaker, so most of the stuff he writes is knocks out of the park home runs to me. But this just kind of felt like going through the motions. Let's be honest. We all knew in fear itself that Bucky wasn't dead. So it wasn't exactly a big spoiler to see him coming back. It was just very story by numbers. This is, he's back. This is what happened. It happened off scenes, off panel. So I kind of felt a little cheated. And it just sets up his next book. To continue reading more Adventures of Bucky, buy this book next month. I liked it. But I don't know. I just, I feel cheated. Maybe I'm just getting a little burnt out on Brubaker on Bucky. You know, what I'm finding out about Brubaker as I get older and read more of his work is when he's writing his creator-owned stuff, like, he pulls out all the stops that just amaze you whatever he does. But when he's writing for the big two, he does it very formulaic and superhero-y. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. With the exception of Gotham Central, I think all of his big two stuff could be almost uh, intertwined at some point. Yeah, just exchange one character for another, right. and you can have the same story. When you, uh, I don't know. It, he's his creator and stuff is great, but imagine if you were. I think we had this conversation before. Imagine if you were writing Captain America, Winter Soldier, and other books. Could you come up with a good story every month? No, because it's like coming yeah. up with a good Superman movie past the origin story. Yeah, I mean, it's just it can't be done. Get out the geese. It's it's maybe. slamming. <laughs> it's good or positive. Maybe I should save it for my I Kill Giants thing, but one of the things I like about creative-owned and independent books versus the big two stuff is you have so much more freedom and ability to write these characters and put them through the paces and have them come out on the other end of that story changed. When you're dealing with all of these company property characters, there's only so far you can take them. At the end of the day, you know exactly where they're going back to. So that's become my passion or my enjoyment from you guys reading all of these independent books. I never know what I'm getting. Where the character starts at the beginning of the story might not be where they end up. Yeah. Jonesy loves beer. Uh, Invincible, number 84, uh, by uh, my buddy and yours, Bob Kirkman. Mm -hmm. Otley on art. One of my flag uh, flagship titles that I like to review, you know, that the other one being Wolverine that everyone rags on me for. <laughs> but uh, anyhow, uh, Lightning I just want to say finally about eighty four. I mean, the, it's picking up momentum again. It went, I mean, I I spoke before. It was definitely going through like a, a filler phase. But uh, I'll try to do the opposite of uh, spoiling tin and just. <laughs> is that a new it, thing now? Yeah, I think it is. <laughs> I like it. Mm. Uh, Invincible. Visits Las Vegas, which in previous issues has been eradicated, and the Guardians of the Globe are there. And instead of rebuilding, I mean, the world has limited uh, resources after the Viltrumite War of last year. So what they do is they make a large solar panel field 
that will provide, uh, you know, like half price power for the United States and give you know, Americans a chance to uh, get back on their feet. And it's like a very logical, well thought out uh, resolution to the Las Vegas incident. You know, and it germinates this idea in Invincible's head. So he goes home and talks to Adam Eve, who's his de facto um, common law wife at this point. He's like, hey, uh, don't go crazy, but I'm going to do some stuff that's going to be a little oddball. Love you, bye. And she's like, okay, love you. And then uh, Invincible proceeds to to break a villain out of the uh, Pentagon. And then uh, everybody... You know, starts going, oh, Invincible's gone rogue. They go question Adam Eve. What's he going to do? And um, it's very, like in previous issues, Invincible has always been the one that was always fighting against this Guardians of the Globe. We're going to reform people and and help them do good, even though it's like a Shades of Grey kind of story. And now Invincible's playing that gamut. And... uh, it's funny to see that the shoe's on the other foot, and it's like, we have to stop Invincible. He's gone rogue. He's doing the wrong thing. So it's a nice turnaround if you've been a you know, long-time fan of the series. And uh, who he breaks out and what he chooses to do is another shock that I I thought Invincible was out of shocks. I thought that the story was, there were no more things that was going to be able to get me with. And this one, I was like, oh, wow. Kirkman's got his, a little fire back in his belly, so... It's. I mean, I'm looking forward to issue eighty five for a long uh, first time in a long time. I'm real looking forward to the next issue. I'm still waiting for. I mean, he's gonna quit being invincible at this point. I would think. You know, the teaser from last year was the black invincible coming. Oh yeah, I remember. And that, that still hasn't happened yet. I think it was billed as twenty eleven. So we're kind of running out of issues. So far behind on invincible. I need to catch up big time. Speaking of catching up, we're running out of time. Oh no. Not we any tape. Uh, Is there no tape? We should go into the lighting round right now. Oh boy! Um, I want to start off with my rebuttal from last week. Lightning rebuttal. Lightning, Lightning rebuttal to Incredible Hulk number one by uh, Jason Aaron, Mark Silvestri. Um, just hit me with it. I mean, I'm I'm ready. <laughs> Mark Silvestri. On a regular issue monthly? Hyphen? No. He's got pencil assists on the very first issue. Get out of here with that. Book stinks. (laughs) 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 Oh my god. Looks like a three year old drew it. I mean, look at the. Lightning round, lightning round, lightning round. Come on. I know. we're, listen, it's late. Head. We Jason, made some sacrifices to record two shows. We're all cranky. Poor Jason. Long Aaron. drive back. Not the Mark Sylvester I grew up with. That's for I sure. Don't. I just don't. Trash. You okay, Bill? Are we done? All right. Are we done? I know it was only more than two sentences. Can I'm I say sorry. one more thing? It was like 150 cents. <laughs> oh Can I know, say right? one more thing? That was a conversation. Bagley level. Ignore it. Ignore Dale, it. Just Ignore go. it. Just go before he keeps going on. Just go. Uh, Be the bigger man. What are you reading, Dale? Justice League Dark, number one. <laughs> Did, Dale, your S-eating grin you have on your face right now is priceless. <laughs> the magical, mystical team of the DCNU. I'm not quite sure what I read. 
Period. Interesting. Rebuttal. You. Tune in next week for someone's lightning rebuttal. Details of JLI. Can't wait for that. Hopefully I won't be dead. Iron Man trade paperback. The Mask and the Iron Man. What happens when an all-powerful suit of armor becomes sentient? Answers the question, do the clothes make the man? Jeez, this guy is like right in, the, right in the book jacket. Ray yeah, Bradbury like over here. I uh, thank you. Nietzsche. Justice League International number three. This book has finally got me hooked three issues in. Man, this booster gold fella is slamming. <laughs> uh, you know, new. If I can throw my leg up here on this chair, new booster gold. He's a cool cat. You know, I don't know what that what the old DCU was doing with that guy. Batman is his biggest cheerleader in this book. He was badass in his last series. I don't series. believe it. I don't he was believe good. it. Was this that old continuity people talk about sometimes? You know what? I'm lending you my trades. He was but good in 52. Even, don't even read them. Don't bother. Just read the first oh one. We need to move on into our You're book club for this week, which was... We still have a whole other segment to do. forgot. I Two. Kill Giants. Who wants to uh, give a little backstory on this? Anybody? Rub my nose there. I could try. I feel like I'm way inferior to you guys. I mean, if you don't, if you're not up for it, no, I'll give let's it a do try. it. Let's do it. Uh, <clears throat> Barbara Thorson is a young teenager, probably too smart for her own good. Who most? I f- I feel like I'm doing a lightning round. Like I'm trying to do it in two <laughs> sentences. I forgot that this isn't the lightning round. Um, Barbara Thorson is um, a girl with an active imagination who is very much an outsider in her school. She doesn't get along with a whole lot of people because she's so different. And a lot of her personality stems from her home life. Um, She has such an active personality because... She is trying to, I don't know, compensate or not think about a uh, a a partially broken home and a mother who is very sick. That um, she doesn't really accept that her mother is sick, mm. and she kills giants. That's her occupation, and she is preparing the whole storyline, the whole arc. She is preparing for the great battle with a giant that she is n- that she knows is coming. With uh, I guess uh, is a what's what's the word metaphor metaphor, <laughs> the giant is a metaphor for a pretty big deal in her personal life and that is her uh, mother has cancer and that's what she's not willing to accept the giant being death of her mother he did great right he did great no that was good I tried Jonesy what did you think of I Kill Giants 
while you were reading it, and what did you think after? Uh, while I was reading it, you know, this book really takes you on on this kind of twisted journey <laughs> through you know your emotions. Like it starts out, you're not really sure what to make of this book. You're kind of presented this Tom Hanks and Mazes and Monsters kind of character where she's a little too caught up in D and D and uh, in Dungeons and Dragons for you guys not to yeah. know. Um, Only certain few, and uh, no. you know, and there's a lot of panels where you see her imagination break into the real world. Like there's goblins and dragons and fairies floating around, and I mean, you're, and you're left to wonder why. Even after the second issue, is why exactly is she so far into this escapism? And then only through dialogue hints do you kind of finally see um, what is shaping her lifestyle uh and then you know there's some great supporting cast um the school psychiatrist is one of them who really is like the one person who just isn't ignoring her through her whole life you know her family her older sister is the one holding the family together and uh, of course you know she's a uh you know I, i would say late teens early 20s herself so it's hard for her to keep track of everyone uh, so Barbara kind of is going it alone. You know, she has to deal with, you know, making new friends and, and fighting this bully that's tormenting her and uh, dealing with the problems of what I would say is like high school uh, stereotypes and uh, all the while both choosing to be like castrating herself from society, like choosing like mm-hmm. her whole character is. I'm so upset at home and I'm so empty. I want to push everybody away. So whether it's being a smart aleck, whether it's being mean, whether it's hitting people, you know, she's acting out like the textbook case. I mean, I think in one panel she even cuts herself. Yeah. Uh, uh... I mean, it was, and it was tough to read because you kind of take this emotional journey with her and you feel her pain every step of the way. And Mm -hmm. then at the end of the book, the, of course the big reveal is the giant that she's willing to fight is uh her mother's death and the giant she can't kill you know her profession for the whole book is i killed giants i had this weapon this magic weapon kovaleski that uh that is going to strike the giant down i'm ready for it and you know and i and going through like similar tragedies in our lives we can kind of say yeah we steal ourselves against it we're going to be tough when this happens and then when the giant comes you realize you're not prepared at all so there's the metaphors that Dale was talking about, it it really, it's extremely relatable if you've ever been through a similar situation in your own life. And that's really probably why I fell in love most with this book, because I found my, or I found myself really connecting with the themes it was presenting. And I think the ending was, was very real. Like, it's almost like the seven stages where you go through bargaining and uh anger and acceptance and denial and all that like i think maybe each issue kind of dealt with you know first one maybe ignorance and then acceptance bargaining denial like it was very it hit all those themes and um just a beautiful story as a way to tell it and you know and there's humor in there too so it's got you know something for all walks that's uh, i really like that I like giants slim's about to speak everybody that huge intake of breath I didn't know anything about this book when uh, Dale recommended this to us. 
Did someone else suggest this one? Yeah, there's, I was attended the comic book shops, uh, Spookabration, and uh, Patrick Titus, the uh, proprietor of the comic book shop, recommended that to us. So thanks. Thank you, Patrick. Never, never really knew about this book. Yeah, when you uh, suggested it, you know, I downloaded. Uh, I didn't know. I didn't know what the story was. I didn't even read the description. Sometimes I just like kind of like to, you know, hop in. Um, I read the first issue and I was like, "This sucks." You know, ugh, another pick from Dale. You know. <laughs> um. So and then I saw the fairies and I was like, well, "Is this like Scott Pilgrim?" kind of deal you know there's going to be some fights and this her imagination the whole time and so i plowed through like the first two issues and there was some the, i think the thing that drew me in first was when they mentioned the family i can't remember if it was the second or third issue but the family was mentioned and then they said you know well, why don't you want to talk about and then there was some words blacked out you know, like mm-hmm. where there there was a character being mentioned that, you know, that was really being obscured that to the point where the reader the reader wasn't even supposed to know about the names that were being talked about. Which I was like, ah, that's kind of cool. I don't, I don't remember that being in a comic before, outside of like Kill Bill, where you know Beatrix's name was blocked out. Um, and then I finally started to get it, um, why she was being the way she was with the mother, you know, towards the middle of the story. And I, and I was like, Oh, so I, it didn't hit me at the very beginning, I guess, cause I was so turned off by the story because I was thinking that it was going in a totally different direction. Um, so then when I finally get to, I think it was, you know, issue six, um, you know, when or six or seven, when you see, you know, she goes to the mother's room and you see her, and in her head, it, in you know the character's head, it was like the worst room ever. It was like a horror story. Everything was so scary. And you know, you, she finally goes in there, and the viewers presented with how it really is. And it's like this pristine room with the bed, and her mother's there, you know, sick, dying, mm-hmm. and it's just clean and and you know almost a state of purity. But you know, obviously, her mother's dying, so it's this it's the complete reverse in her head. And she goes over there and. It was after the fight with, you know, death, metaphorically, and and I'd say this a lot, you know, obviously I'm a father now, but, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it's, you know, it's diff- you know it's, it's a running joke, but you do see things in a different light when you read stories, and, and I thought of me in the bed with James as a young boy coming up, and I'm tearing up now, <laughs> <laughs> and I thought of James doing that when I was dying, and I tried to think of how James would feel in that scene, and you know, I started tearing up. It was so sad. Um, <laughs> it's just, you know, I hated it when I started, and I was like, God, you know, powerful stuff. I'm, right? I'm like crying. Yeah, no, <laughs> okay. It really was powerful. Do you want, do you want to pause it? No, it's okay. Collect I'm yourself. Good. I'm good. I'm good. Mark, what did you think of it? I loved it. Um, by the end of the book, I actually was shedding some tears. It was that good. Uh, I guess what I loved about it is DC and Marvel, they're all about characters in fantastic or extraordinary over-the-top situations. But this book to me was about a teenager in an all-too-common situation using her imagination to create these fantastic, extraordinary over-the-top situations to escape her pain. 
Um, it's the story, like you guys mentioned, of a girl who is trying to come to terms with an all-too-personal situation. And I guess she created this world where she's all-powerful to cope with the situation that she's powerless. I think she was a very relatable character. I loved in the beginning when it opens up in school and the guy's giving a motivational speech. And I'm trying to think of where's this going. The teacher stops, calls on Barbara. Hey, um, why don't you pay attention? And he goes, all right, well, what do you want to do? Or what do you do? I kill giants. Just plain matter-of-factly, all the other students are snickering and making fun of her. And next scene you know is her in the principal's office. We've all known a kid like that. I'm sure a lot of our listeners have been that kid. I know I was that kid. Yeah, yeah. Um, you get to know really quickly that she's got some defenses up, <clears throat> but um, she is exactly like a kid you knew in high school, like could be a real jerk and was real, you know, too smart for their own good and real snarky. But um, I think early on, maybe within the first couple issues, um, she had an active imagination, but you knew it was like real problems. Like she has this world in her head because you you just know it. She's just got real emotional problems at home. You're not sure why, but you can kind of tell that she has that broken home and she's doesn't get along with people and stuff. So that's why she kind of built up this little fantasy world that sometimes you can't tell is real or not. Exactly. And I loved how... As the story went on, there was another girl who moved to school who tried to befriend her, and you could really see that outsider perspective of this is somebody genuinely trying to be nice to you, and all you're doing is putting up walls and pushing them away. Later on in the series, when they introduced the school counselor, who was really trying to hammer through those walls gently, there was a great scene where, what did she ask her about, Klovesky, or was it about her family, and Barbara just slaps her? That was about, um, I think that's the section where she asked about her parents. Wasn't it? I think she asked. I think she tried to grab the purse or open the purse, didn't she? Or the 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 purse that Kovaleski was in, the magic hmm. hammer. I think I'm not doing the scene justice, but throughout the series, when she's interviewing or when she's talking with the school counselor, the school counselor asked her one something personal about Kovaleski, her quote unquote warhammer, which is a little pocketbook. Again, showing you just how much of an active imagination this is. And Barbara stops and looks at her and goes, "That's strike one," and leaves. Next session they have, she asks her something personal about her family, and Barbara stops and just slaps her. And at this point, you can tell, if you haven't gotten it already, that this girl just has issues. And like any child who is going through something, they don't want to talk about it. Mm -hmm. And that kind of hit home for me. And as I'm getting more and more engulfed in this story, trying to figure out what's going on, and I'm watching Barbara fight off these bullies, trying to see her struggle to make a friend while she's pushing her away it was i lost it and at the very end when she walks in and she sees her mother in that bed i i reach for my eye because it was itching and i feel tears streaming Mm -hmm. was not ready for that yeah because in the scenes previous i mean when they she always kind of looked up the stairs and she would in her mind see like somebody screaming in that room she would like literally go in her room and hide in the corner because of the thought of what was in that room and and in her and they even glanced in that room the way she sees it and it was like a torture rack in there and there was like a deformed body um so you could kind of 
pick it, start picking apart what was happening there. But she was terrified of this room for some reason in her house. She didn't even want to go upstairs. And her friend, um, who happened to bring her upstairs because she would got in a fight, her new friend had brought her upstairs and her new friend was out in the hallway and almost wandered into the room and Barbara almost lost it because she knew what was in that room and she couldn't let anybody go in that room and suffer a, a fate just as bad as death, you know, or, or, or of the worse. What was great is as the story goes on and more and more characters are asking about her occupation of killing giants and she gives this elaborate story about the origins of monsters and titans and villains and warhammers that she needs to use to stop them. You don't know whether this girl is so detailed that she's onto something, or you don't know whether to pity her. At least that's right. how I felt. And by the time in issue five or six, when the monster is shown to be this 50-foot beast, I'm scratching my head going, okay, did I miss something? She's screaming at this giant saying, you can't have her, you can't have her. The giant just stands there and says, I'm not there for her. I'm here for you. And at that point, that's the metaphor of her starting to accept that there's just something she can't change. It was, mm -hmm. and if maybe it's because I was close, I am close to my mother. I don't know if it just hit really close to home, mm -hmm. but it was just an emotionally good story. Yeah. There's I, everything about this book, like the art, it was, a, it's a black and white book, but there's, there's almost like a manga style to the art, but it's not super refined manga it's like a sketchy with manga influences and it just like it just helps with the character's expressions especially barbara because you can see she's so unique that uh, she wears like the little manga hats and that that it just does that much more to help separate her from normal because she's wearing like anime hats with bunny ears and stuff just to kind of show that she's a little different than everybody else and the, uh, the the style really fits the book and, and the giants and the titan that she bows at the end i mean there's some pretty frightening Im frightening imagery there that he just draws it so well it looks so creepy what's great about this book too is i can't imagine a mainstream character that you could put in this story no. i can't put i don't know franklin richards or this person or that person in the story and do it it's i think it's because Barbara really isn't Barbara. I think Barbara represents the reader mm -hmm. in, in the most personal way. I mean, I mean, this character is just so lost. And, you know, I think, you know, myself, Mark, uh, Matt, anybody in this room and anybody listening has been Barbara Thorson at some point. Has had a situation where they feel like a drift and they will cling on to anything, whether it be fantasy, reality, anything to give themselves their daily lives a sense of meaning or something they can cling on to and, and drive their days forth. And, you know, it, that's why you can't have a character who exists anywhere else in the story because it's not her, it's you who's doing all this. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I guess at some point you can just tell uh, beyond the shadow of a doubt that this girl is so angry and so emotionally shattered that she is just lost. She created her own world. And through half of the series, you're just reading this book going, okay, does she really kill giants? And then slowly through the interjection of more and more people who try to get to know her, it brings down the wall and you can really see what's going on. I think the, 
I, it's a, I mean, the story was great. I am just so thankful that it ended on a pretty positive note. Yeah. I mean, yeah. because if it very well could have ended with her mother dying of cancer and that be the last page. And it would have been a beautiful book in its own way. But the fact that they do an epilogue issue and they see her and she's starting to pick up the pieces of her life and she doesn't need to kill giants anymore. And she's got she's closerly attached to her friend, her new friend, Sophia, and she's more well adjusted. It just it made me feel so much better because I wasn't sure how much book was left after you started coming up on the sad parts of the book. I mean, she was almost lost when she, she was emotionally fighting the Titan. She was actually in a hurricane. Ju- she just got done being in a fight, and she was basically lost in the bay for what was, I guess, a few hours. And then luckily she washes up and uh, comes back in the house and stuff. But it could have very easily been just a depressing book and and been done there because we've read plenty of stories where it doesn't always end up finishing on a happy note but I'm just so so glad that there was that extra content of her starting to reintegrate and coming to accept the death of her mother and you know she's perfectly fine after you see her mother died uh, you know she'll she'll crawl in the bed and just lay there and smell the sheets and and remember about the good times she had with her mom and uh, you know I think that book that content there just made the book for me because you know i don't like upsetting stories so you know that just was the best thing ever i could have read you know because what? it was just so nice that the writer was able to throw that in there when he really didn't have to you know one of my uh, the parts that hit me hardest was i think issue number six when she had just finished fighting the giant and since they live in Long Island near water, beachfront property, they represented the fight by a big monsoon, and they can't find Barbara. The police are there. The school counselor's there. Sophia's there talking to her sister. And they're saying, we need to tell your mother. We need to bring her into the loop on this. And they are begging her, don't tell her. This will kill her. Give it five more minutes. Mm-hmm. And at that point, it's just, I could feel my heart beating like, wow, it's I get that. Mm-hmm. I killed giants. I killed my heart. Who do we have All to right. thank for that recommendation? <clears throat> Patrick Titus in Comic Book Shop. It's like he doesn't even listen to the podcast. He's apparently on. <laughs> we got your letters. I'm going to open them up. Farrington's going to read them to you. Letters at papercag.com. Nope. (laughs) Didn't get there fast enough. Uh, You can shoot us an email. We will read it on the show. We'd love to. It's uh, clean. Good enough. Oh, yeah, the ticker. I don't know. Jensen was pointing at his crotch (laughs) repeatedly. (laughs) And I I didn't know what that was. This one's coming to us from Catcher saying, Dear Paper Keg Original Recipe. Love you, Catcher. I was thinking about the Comixology app and its ultra-patented zoomed-in reading mode. Do you guys think it makes up for... Got you. Patent pending. Thank you. Do you think... Or do you guys think it makes up for an artist's inability to create dynamic panel page art? Whoa. And on the flip side, how can the artist use it effectively and to his or her advantage? And as a related note, 
Mark, how are you enjoying your experience reading on the iPhone? Oh, Catcher, Catcher actually tweeted me that because um, <clears throat> he listened to the last show when I was talking about Power Play comic, mm. and he told me to keep a lookout for this letter because he was wondering. Uh, he, he must have written the letter before actually hearing the segment. Um, and what are you guys' thoughts? I don't... I th- I don't think guided view in any way is detrimental. You know, I think different artists have different views on the full page layout. But my personal preference I don't like spoilers on my page. And I know that's you can't be avoided. So, you know, the classic is like you <clears throat> it's a double page spread or something and you see something down in the lower right hand corner, it's like a huge Spoiler, your eye's going to immediately drift there before even catching the rest of the story. So I think the guide view is nice, is is a nice treat. Uh, I don't think it it exposes any inadequacies in an artist, but I know some artists don't like that because they think it's meant, the whole page is meant to be taken in at once. But I think that's more up to the view of the reader. A? I first started reading... Uh, The Walking Dead on an iPhone. I read like the first 30 issues on iPhone, so I highly recommend it if you have a mobile device. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say if anything, you know, if you have a e-reader or an iPad 2 uh, that you can read Comixology on, I would iPad keep... Uh, yeah, I have one. Yeah. Uh, I would keep God of You off just because you're getting that comic book experience at a full screen. Uh, but definitely when I read books on my iPhone, and I still do occasionally when I, you know, I, I need to read a book, maybe I'm online at the DMV, um, definitely got a view for a smaller screen. I mean, that's really when it, it shines. You're sitting Good. down somewhere. Yeah, you know, you're, you know. Bathroom. Maybe, maybe you're at work and you have to use the, uh, you know, the old toy toy, you know. You, uh, <laughs> you, who, who, who do you know <laughs> that uses that sign? Did you just make that up? I did, it's slamming, bro. Oh, Come on. God. All right. God it's a new Lord. store watch. Then, um, I guess I can admit this, but the first time I've ever read a comic in full with the guide of you was last week's Mouse Guard book. And I bet that looked pretty good. That looked great. And yeah, to be able to focus on one panel at a time. Yeah. And Smooth. again, beat by beat, Ooh. word caption by word caption, kept the story moving faster. And as I got more and more into the story, it kind of pulled me in mm-hmm. just because it's hard to explain, but once you get into that pace, it's hard to turn that away. Yeah, yeah Mouse Guard is a breakneck pace. And Guided View, I think, really works for a book that's just breakneck speed. A lot of action, panel by panel. Guided View really shines. Because it's, it's like in that power play book where you can you know do a lot with a turn of a head mm-hmm. and still keep the pace of a book from panel to panel. It really, Guided yeah. View lends itself to hurrying a story along. Yeah, the guys who did power play, they really exposed a... a, a uh, a method of storytelling there that maybe even wasn't even thought of to begin with, but they they're starting to exploit it for what it can do. And anyway, you know, it's pretty it's a pretty neat mm. way. Mm. Thanks, catcher. Yeah. Last one up is from Comic Snob uh, at uh, Comic Snob on the Twitter. Excuse me. Humble saying, friend. "Dear Mister <laughs> Farrington, you may know me in my previous incarnation as at Black Sun Patrol, but today oh. I am writing to you as O'Neill Edwards, editor of." www.comicbooksnob.com and the upcoming magazine Rations. I would like very much to reprint your article titled Where Have All the Happy Heroes Gone? 
you published on your sad sack of the Tumblr blog. <laughs> <laughs> is that because you never post on it? Is that why it's a sad sack? Well, as I explained in my reply to that comic book, oh, snob, I've been busy uh, at the hospital breathing for kids who can't breathe. So unfortunately, it's left me with precious little time to update my Tumblr. Yeah, okay, that's the reason. Anyway, this will be for Rations Magazine, issue one, which will be launched as a digital magazine this December. If you're in agreement, I'll send you by way of recompense a small bag of unshelled peanuts. You can find more about Rations at www.comicbooksnob.com, and then you can follow the links to the Rations Magazine, or by following him on Twitter at, at comicbooksnob. I find it amazing that Mark rarely if ever posts on paperkeg.com and then out of nowhere he is asked to be in a digital magazine totally what is what planet are we on where mark just get falls ass backwards into dumb luck Daniel it's like Tosh is in the corporate it. world where somebody fails upward Up? yeah yeah you know, mark has got that patented in his own life every now and then somebody cares about my opinion uh, what's what's funny is um i was at New York City Comic Con, and this big, tall, black guy came up and said, "You know, it wasn't Mark. It, yeah. He came up and said, I, you know, I want to talk to, uh, you know, John Roberts of Comicsology to do an interview for Comic Snob, and he gave me his card, and I didn't recognize the name, so I, you know, they did an interview and said goodbye, and then he shot that email, and that's that's Black Sun Patrol. I had no idea that, that was Black Sun Patrol, but Black Sun Patrol I thought was going to be this, you know, ginger short." Stubby with the name Black <laughs> Sun Patrol. Black Sun, you know, Sun. That's like a that's D &D. red. Yeah, you know, who knows? Black Sun. That was so the I, uh, Empire and Shadows of the Empire, wasn't it? I don't know. Prince Shizor. Yeah, he had uh, seen it. his power was those pheromones. Yeah, remember that? yeah, yeah. So anywho, I met Black <laughs> Sun Patrol. And I didn't even realize it. He didn't even know it was me either. So now, was, Slim, help now me out here because you guys probably would have you pee fight, pee penide fight. If your your double make out session of scalped, yeah, right. You too. <laughs> you know I didn't make it to NYCC. I Sword was busy fight. having one of the worst days of my life at home. Breathing for kids who can't breathe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's terrible. <laughs> Car is shut down on the boulevard in Philly, one of the busiest highways in the country. Um, Get the geese out. Per the national traffic. Uh, you met. Board. You met at Black Sun Patrol. I did. Could I take him? I don't know. He looks like he may know kung fu of some kind. He looks more athletic than you. Good to know. You okay. do have probably a good 120 pounds on him, though, I think. I, you could probably do some kind of leg sweep maneuver. And <laughs> leg then, sweep. But and I'd then, be winded right after. And then put your big paws on his throat, and you wouldn't be able to move. <laughs> you could probably just kick him from halfway across the room. So that's, Man's uh, nice enough to put me in a magazine. I got I mean, nothing it was love. nice knowing Mark. He's... he's been attempting to go on various ventures to leave Paper Keg for months since the beginning. Mm. So, uh, Mark, we appreciate your time, you know, working for free. But now it looks like he's leaving to to go on to bigger and brighter things. It's a shame because I'll know, be back next week. <laughs> if your car can get you here, yeah, right. yeah, really. I got Jonesy for that. Real quick, before we uh -oh, go, oh, oh, no, 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 I can do it quick. I can do Big it quick. We need your help, listeners. We've gone through 32 episodes. We've read the books we know, but we want to know what are the good books that we are missing so that we can do them for book club. Yeah, we need book club suggestions. Epic book club suggestions. Just titles, not uh, big sweeping, leg sweeping Ds. We need you to get the geese out. 
We don't need Lenetto Bomb, you know, making up science journals for us to read. Yeah, whatever that suggestion he had last week. probably wouldn't get it anyway. But we need some slamming books. Hit us up in letters at paperkeg.com or on the Twitter. Good trade paperbacks of stories we haven't read so we can check them out. If you just want to uh, throw, a, throw a recommendation in your iTunes review, that's that's good too. Well iTunes. said. We are well on the I- iTunes now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, well, just got there. Remember we'll when people used to review us? September 14th. Those reviews are pretty slamming. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I'll see everybody next week. Last word. Nope. Nope.